Um, Turn to Acts chapter 2 in your Bibles, if you have one with you. Uh, These things will appear on the screen in just a moment's time. But um, I I don't know about you. I find myself at the moment in this world we live in just uh, in many ways excited about so many things. I'm excited about the end of COVID restrictions coming. I'm excited about baptisms today. I'm excited about a church weekend away. I'm excited about many, many wonderful things. But then I also feel that heaviness that we feel of, of a war-torn world. And just, just seeing the news kind of feeding our minds. And it's like, oh, this, this isn't how it should be. And yet in the midst of that, church is this community that brings life and hope and peace. And... Uh, I want to try and connect those two things today, just for a few moments. And um, as a movement of churches, as a family of churches, New Frontiers, our wider family, we have many churches in the Ukraine and in Russia, and they're experiencing terrible suffering right now, as you can only imagine. And uh, this week, via another network, actually, I, I, I received this text forwarded from a missionary couple who were... Uh, who are in the Ukraine. They're not Ukrainians, but they uh, live there. And it just helped me connect, and it may help you connect, because I'd love us to pray at the end of this morning for the situation there, and particularly for the church there. And uh, we're also going to do this on Wednesday morning on a Zoom call at 7 o'clock, if you're able to join a Zoom call on Wednesday at 7 a.m., just for half an hour to pray for that situation, for God's grace and peace and power to intervene. But this, this message is from a couple called Tim and Rhoda, And it says this, it was just written a few days ago. This is quite possibly our last means of correspondence for some time. War is imminent and the consequence is dreadful. A state of emergency has been declared and this will be followed by martial law. Young Ukrainian men from 16 years of age are being called up to serve in the military. And Ukrainians are being given the right to carry arms. A A major cyber attack is happening just now as we write which has affected Ukrainian banks and government websites. Ukrainian citizens are being asked to urgently leave Russia, and our local currency is in free fall. Rhoda and I are not leaving. How can we? Our responsibility is to shepherd at all times. It would be a terrible testimony to get up and leave the believers. We have been preparing for this day. Rhoda and I have brought in generators, fuel, food, as we would like to turn the church into a place of shelter to accommodate and feed the believers who will face many a hardship. God is about to give us a great opportunity to show our Christian faith practically and reach out into our community with the gospel. As we close, the military jets can be heard overhead, and we covet your prayers. We are not any braver than you, but confident that we are where God would expect us to be. It's remarkable, isn't it? (laughs) And I don't know, when I read things like that, it does three things for me. Firstly, it connects me emotionally at a very deep level to a situation and to some people I I will never meet, probably, but who are following Jesus in a war-torn land. The second thing is it makes me want to pray, and even just for a moment, I've just been praying this week, just, Lord, just help them, just be with them. And then the third reaction I have, I don't know about you, is this, I read it, and when they say things like, we are not any braver than you, I read it with a sense of, I think you are. <laughs> and yet, I've been, I've been perplexed and thinking about this a lot this week, and this is where we're going to come into Acts chapter 2, because 
We notice that same courage that we read just there, evident in the life of the early church, that they went to the ends of the earth sharing the gospel, often at risk to their own life. And yet, we see those same believers just a few days before Acts chapter 2, and they were hiding behind locked doors, and at the scene of the crucifixion of Jesus, they were running in all directions, and if interrogated and asked if they knew anything about Jesus, they would respond strongly to say they knew nothing about him at all. And yet, it was these people that became the most confident and bravest people on the planet. And what is it that makes the difference in Christians' lives in terms of making us brave, courageous, confident people who are useful to God in this world? And it's this, it's the person of the Holy Spirit who is God. And what we read about in Acts chapter 2 isn't a story of personality or resilience or resolve, but it's about a group of people who receive the Holy Spirit. And today, you and I can be different because of the power of the Holy Spirit filling us and helping us. And if you don't know Jesus here today, your life can be transformed by the power of God through the Holy Spirit, the power of Jesus, and you can become a different person. You know, as a generation, we've become obsessed with our identity and who we are, and we'll you know, you'll have, you'll have probably done little surveys and, and watched YouTube videos and things. What kind of person are you? Some of us would say, well, I'm shy, I'm boisterous, I'm extrovert, I'm introvert, I'm thoughtful, I'm, spo- I'm spontaneous, I'm intelligent, I'm peoply. But with all of this self-discovery comes a prison that we say, well, yeah, but I'm not that kind of person. And even in church, you can look around and you think, well, all these people seem very kind of into it. And yet, We find ourselves saying, yeah, but that's not me. Well, the good news is when God changes your life and when God comes into your life, he makes you a different person than the limited person that you are. He removes our inhibitions and he gives us new strengths. Acts 1 verse 8 says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And I don't know about you, but I'm kind of hungry for that kind of power in my life today. To be a world changer, used by God. So we're going to read from Acts chapter 2. And we're going to read uh, verses 1 to 23. About how the Holy Spirit first came on the church of Jesus Christ. 2,000 years ago. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. That was the early church, 120 believers. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there was staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them in their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? How then is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? 
Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. You know, God always causes a response one way or the other in us. Either it's cynicism or it's inquiry. I wonder what your response is today. It goes on to say, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. The pubs aren't open. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Before we talk about how you have an encounter with God, let's just set some context for these verses that Peter read from the prophet Joel from a few hundred years earlier. And he starts with these words, in the last days, this was the prophecy. When Peter is explaining to a crowd of people what is happening in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, he says, well, this is telling us that we are in the last days. Do you know that you live in the last days? The last days isn't some futuristic kind of point on planet Earth. It's the time from when Jesus came to the Earth until when Jesus comes again. This is theologically what the last days are, and we live in them. And we live in... Let's imagine my arm here, okay. This is the age we live in. This is our current age, and we live somewhere along this timeline. I'm watching too much Cobra Kai. Okay, this is my timeline here, right? Okay, and, and we're living here. And we, you might imagine, well, you know, Jesus, the kingdom to come, heaven, all of these things, well, they happen at the end of this. And, and it's like this. This is the other timeline, the, the age to come. But the Bible doesn't say it's this age and then the age to come. It says this, that these two things overlap each other. That we live in the current age, but... The Bible says in Hebrews 6 that we've tasted the powers of the age to come, if you're a Christian, that these things overlap one another. And since Jesus has come, we're living with this tension that there's an age in which we live, which is full of strife and war and good things as well as bad things. And there's an age to come when Jesus will come again and bring justice and peace and joy and love in, in its fullness Death will be no more in this age to come. And Christians, we live between these two worlds. To be a Christian is to live in this tension point in this life where, well, we're living for the age to come. These people who got baptized today, Julian and George, they're saying this, I'm I'm living forever with Jesus. And that's, I've been baptized with him. I've been raised with him. I'm going to be with him forever. Have you got this illustration? Can I put my arms down now? Are we, are we good? Because they're getting tired here. So there's this overlap of the ages because we're in the last days. And these last days, just to contextualize it for the world we live in right now, verse 19, it says, In these last days I'll show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. 
Let's just think what they might be for a moment. Ideas, well, signs in the heavens above. Do you know why we love space? The heavens above, often the Bible, that's just looking upwards. We love space because it's totally unspoiled. Humans can't get there on the whole. And we look and it's amazing. Look at the next slide, please. That's the Hubble telescope. It's stunning. You know, 30 years ago, they started uh, putting these images out from the Hubble telescope, and, and people were like, this is incredible. On its 30th anniversary, they just put all the images they had pretty much on the internet, and everybody said, this is incredible. It just doesn't get old looking at space. This is like a star being born somewhere in a distant place. Signs. It tells us there's a God, that there's a creator. It's pointing us towards Jesus. Here's the next sign. Signs on the earth below. Blood, fire, and billows of smoke. That's not a positive sign. Bloodshed. Fire, smoke, this is war imagery. We live in a war-torn world, not just the Ukraine, but there's 40 wars going on in the world right now. And they've been waged for centuries and centuries because man is not at peace with one another. And this sign negatively points us to Jesus, to an age to come when his rule and reign will be complete and war will be no more. And Christians are those who live with the hope of the age to come. And one day, those who wield power in this world will be silenced before Jesus. It says in Isaiah 52 that the kings of the earth will shut their mouths because of him. Do you know there'll be a day when Vladimir Putin will be silent before Jesus? There'll be a day when Joe Biden cannot talk before Jesus. When Boris Johnson, name your world leader. And Jesus will be supreme over all. Which age are you living for? This age or the age to come? Well, if you're living for this age to come, the good news is that we experience the powers of that age right now. 2 Corinthians 1 says this, He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So let's just very briefly look at these verses from Acts chapter 2 to see what, how they experienced this deposit of the Holy Spirit because that tells us something of our own experience of the Holy Spirit and what God wants to do in our lives. Verse 2, I'm going to summarize some, some learning points for us. Here's the first point, we need to ready ourselves. It says they were all together in one place. They were, they were praying and waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. Verse 2, suddenly... A sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. A violent wind. If you were to do a Bible study, the, the, the wind is often synonymous with God's spirit in the Bible. Wind, breath, and spirit are all the same Hebrew word, ruach. And it speaks of God breathing, God blowing into his people. In John 20, Jesus is pictured breathing over his disciples and he says receive the holy spirit he was close enough for them to feel his breath now this last couple of years nobody kind of wants to be breathed on do they you know because what they might be carrying but those disciples you know the breath that jesus was carrying was resurrection breath he'd breathed his last on the cross but the new breath he breathed with was the life and power of god for all eternity which he breathes into his church right now because you are eternal people Here's the, the second thing we see in that verse 2. Notice this. How were they poised when they were receiving the Holy Spirit? I'd, I'd only just spotted this one. Today I hadn't really ever thought about it. They were sitting. Isn't that great? 
<laughs> I, I don't know. Sometimes when we talk about trying to encounter God, we often have it as a very sort of uptight experience. You know, our eyes are closed and our hands are like this. And we're saying, God, would you help me and touch me and feel... I don't know, I just like they were sitting. It doesn't tell us what they were doing. I don't know if they were praying or having a cup of tea. But God came sovereignly into that room and filled them with his Holy Spirit. You know, the prophets of Baal in the Old Testament, once they had a contest with Elijah, and and it says that they were trying to see which God would send fire on their sacrifice. And it says of the prophets of Baal that they prayed and they shouted and they danced and they even cut themselves till their blood flowed. And you read these chilling words in 1 Kings 16, where it says there was no response, no one answered and no one paid attention. But when Elijah prayed, the fire of God fell. Here we have the early church. They're not doing a whole lot. They're just saying, God, would you come to us? And God comes. He comes. He always does. No effort is required because Jesus has done the effort on our behalf. So that's the first thing. Get get ready. Secondly, don't count yourself out. Verse 3, it says, They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Imagine the picture that this, this strange fire is coming into the room and people are thinking, who's it going to land on? Right? That's, that's the question they'd be asking because in the Old Testament, the Spirit came on one person in a generation. I think, is it going to be Peter? Is it going to be James? Is it going to be John? And then suddenly this fire begins to separate into lots of different tongues of fire and one comes and rests on each of them. There's nobody who is left out. Joel's prophecy says the spirit will not be limited by gender, age, or rank. And I just want you to imagine, who was in that room? Those 120 people on that day. I mean, there was obviously the disciples there, but I wonder if, if you can imagine, who, who else was there? Well, I reckon Mary and Martha and Lazarus must have been there. And I bet, I bet you anything that Mary was sat down at the front of the room saying, fill me, Lord. And I bet you anything, Martha was getting the cups of tea ready at the back of the room. And yet Martha experiences the presence of God coming to her and filling her. There was a tax collector called Matthew. He was good with numbers, I imagine. He was an analyst, a logical person. Well, the Holy Spirit's coming and filling him. There was a doubter called Thomas. I wonder if that woman that had got caught in adultery in John chapter 9, who had been publicly shamed before everybody, I wonder if she became part of that early church community. I reckon she was there. And having been exposed and shamed so publicly, she now found herself in this place where everybody loved her and where the Spirit of God is filling her. Nicodemus in his smart religious clothes, God coming on him as well. Do you know Christians are not one type of person? There are all sorts of different people who have had an encounter with God. If you're not a follower of Jesus today, I want to encourage you to make space for God in your life and let him come to you, and he will. Here's the the third thing. So don't count yourself out. He, he, He comes to all of us. Thirdly, don't compare yourself. Here's something that you might not have spotted. They all received the same, but it all looked different for all of them. 
They, they didn't all speak the same strange language after the Spirit came on. They all spoke different languages. That tells us that when the Spirit comes on us, although we receive the same Spirit, he, he produces diverse things in all of us. You know you're in a cult if you all look the same, dress the same, talk the same, eat the same food. You know you're in the church of Jesus when there's people who are not like you in the room. Because he, is, he, loves, uh, he loves empowering us for diversity. The Spirit didn't produce uniformity, but diversity. Now, this is a releasing thing, because some of us, we compare ourselves to others and their, their, their experiences. And we think, well, maybe they're better than me, or maybe they're holier than me. And the truth is this, that God produces different things in all of us. Don't compare yourselves to others. Your role is to position yourself in community, to allow God to come, and then he does the rest. We could look through scriptures at all the different ways that people met with God and the different reactions and responses they had. We could talk about Moses, we could talk about John, we could talk about the disciples in Acts in different places. We could talk about the different gifts that they had when God came to them. Here's just one that is very, very common in an experience of the Holy Spirit. Romans 5 verse 5. It says, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Here's often the experience that many, many people say, well, I, I, I just know that God's here because I just feel more loved by God than I've ever known in my life. And I know it not just because Jesus died on a cross for my sins, which he did 2,000 years ago, but I know it because he's filled my life with his love, and I know that I'm loved. Today, you can be filled with that love. We'll have a moment to just respond to God in, in a few moments. But and here's the, 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 the final thing. I just want to say that in this episode, they seem to allow God to, direct, to redirect them in the moment. He redirected them outwards. In one minute, they're in an upper room, and they're receiving the Spirit. The next minute, they're out on the streets. We don't know quite when that happened in the story, but they, they suddenly found themselves receiving and then giving. And there's this word play on tongues of fire and speaking other tongues. One minute they were receiving these tongues of the Holy Spirit. The next minute they were speaking these tongues, these other languages that other people could understand so they could come to know Jesus. The point of receiving the Spirit isn't simply a worship preference or, or, or an experience for us personally, but that we have such a wonderful experience that we can't keep it to ourselves and that we share it, share it with others. But we allow God to work in us deeply, and then we share it with others. And I'm trying to learn this a bit myself at the moment. And so here's something that's not natural for me. So if you do one of those personality tests, who am I? I'm not that guy who loves to go to a party and chat, right? You know, I know some of us are like that, and that's brilliant. But I'm not that guy. I find that stuff kind of hard work sometimes. And uh, anyway, so, so I'm trying to position myself, say, God, I'm not that person. I don't often like just chatting with strangers and, and, and that kind of thing. So, Lord, would you help me to be more that person for your sake that I can share your love with others? And uh, I was reading this thing the other day, which I thought was really interesting. It was a tweet that somebody put and, about themselves. And they said, said, when I was growing up, I was extremely shy. So I used to spend all my time in conversations with people 
thinking what my next line of conversation was going to be with them. And I thought, oh, yeah, I, I grew up in Bixhan. I spend a lot of my time doing that as well. Just thinking, oh, So rather than listening to what people are saying, you end up just thinking what you're going to say next. And it makes for a slightly dysfunctional conversation. And uh, so I thought, yeah, I don't want to be like that. So I thought, Lord, I want to hear what you're saying in conversations, and I want to really listen to what other people are saying. Anyway, so I had an opportunity this week, and uh, uh, we, a few of us traveled down to London, and we, uh, we were going to a, a prayer event, a new ground prayer event, first time in two years, and, and there was, I think it was about eight of us who went down, and uh, we were getting a taxi, a one-hour taxi journey, and uh, I was the last one in, and the, the others had kindly left the, the last remaining seat in the taxi for me, which was right next to the driver. And uh, so we got chatting, and I thought, this is going to be a long journey. I thought, I hate making small talk for an hour. I don't know about you. And uh, so we got chatting, and we, got, we changed names, and he was from Pakistan. And, and, uh, and uh, I, just, I just began to pray, Lord, would you just open up this conversation? And, uh, and he, he said he was from Pakistan. He said, have you ever been to Pakistan? I said, no, I haven't. I said, I said the closest I've got is India, northern India. I've been there. And he said, oh, right. He said, why did you go there? And I thought, I thought well, maybe... Because I, I, I could just go on about how I like traveling, I like mountains, I like Himalayas, all these things. But I just felt God nudge me and say, no, no, tell him, tell him something good. <laughs> so I said, well, you know, the reason I most love India is because my wife became a Christian there in northern India when she was 18 years old in a kid's home run by Christians, and she heard about Jesus. And he looked at he took his eyes off the road for slightly too long, <laughs> and he looked at me and he said, your wife became a Christian in India. Wow. And I said, he said, what about you? He said, are you a Christian as well? I said, yes, I am a Christian. And he said, wow. He said, this is great. And I said, I said, it, it, I said are you a Christian? He says, no, no. He says, I'm a Muslim. He says, but I love talking about these things. And we did. We had just an amazing chat for about an hour talking about Jesus, disagreeing, agreeing, challenging one another's world viewpoints, challenging one another's beliefs, the best thing about that journey was this. We did it so lovingly and respectfully that at the end, we had a hug. <laughs> it was just like, he went for the handshake, I went for the hug, it was messy. But, <laughs> but it was great. We said, he said to me, he said, I've just had the best time. It was like a date. <laughs> it was amazing. I said, yeah, me too. It was so good. But that's not me. That's when I step into this thing called God's helping me and I choose to do and to be who I'm not so that he can help others to find him. So God wants to meet us today and we're, we've just got a few minutes, few minutes left and we're going to pray. I'd love us to pray particularly for the Ukraine and for churches in Ukraine and Russia that they would know the peace and the power of the Holy Spirit right now. And we will pray for end to conflict and those things too. But let's just pray that God would strengthen believers because they have a really important to do in pointing people away from this age and to the age to come and being some of the answers in this current age, but pointing people to Jesus. And that's the thing they'd really love and value our prayers for right now. So um, here's one final scripture for you, Acts 2 verse 33. Have you ever wondered what Jesus is doing right now in heaven? Well, he's doing a number of things, but here's one thing. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and he has poured out what you now see and hear.
He's pouring out his Holy Spirit on his church. The Bible says that he experiences the pain of his church right now. That's another thing that he's doing. So let's pray that God pours out his Holy Spirit on those churches and Christians who are suffering right now. There'll be salt and light.